Our reading for this morning is from Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Father, what a joy it is to join our hearts together today and just acknowledge to you how much we do put our trust in you. I pray that in the next few minutes, God, as we continue to worship you now through opening your word, I pray that our hearts will be open, that our lives would be receptive, that you would teach us how much we need to trust you and how available you are for us to put our trust in you. 
We look forward to the opportunity now, God, to take that next step in life and fully trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, today I want to invite you to open your Bible with me to Mark chapter 6. Um, this is an incredible journey that God, God has us on. And um, thank you for joining with us this morning and along the journey. Um, I love living life in God's Word. When I was just 14 years old, uh, I spent the summer... Uh, accepting a challenge that our pastor had given us to read through the whole Bible, start in Genesis and read through, through Revelation uh, in the early morning hours and late afternoon hours and evening hours through that summer, and it changed my life forever. Um, I love living in God's Word. I also live in it, love living in God's world. So let me ask you this morning, does anybody know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Somebody ought to write a song about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, these days like today remind us of even though this is a crazy world, and I think you would agree with me on that, I, I love living in this crazy world. I love seeing the hand of God moving as we travel through this journey, not leaving us alone, but walking with us. Uh, in this crazy world. Uh, we're blessed to live in a land of abundance. I can't speak for you, but I know I've, I've never had a day in my life when I was hungry and I didn't have access to food. I've never had a day in my life where I, I urgently needed to get somewhere and didn't have transportation to get there. I mean, this world that we live in, especially here in North America, based on world standards, is a land of abundance. A land of abundance. Uh, to a great extent, the Bible is a collection of books that were written by humble men who wrote under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, much of the terminology and much of the teaching in God's Word is in a language dealing with outdoor subjects and, and natural phenomena. And that's where Mark is taking us this morning in the writing of his gospel, Mark chapter 6. We find that he launched this book as Jesus launched his ministry proclaiming that the kingdom is here. And we're living in God's kingdom today. It's through this background that, that Mark takes us this morning to the abundance of the kingdom. You've heard it read already this morning, Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 56. And we see in this passage that Jesus abundantly provides everything we need for abundant life. There's no reason for us not to be living life abundantly. So join with me this morning as we just look at a few principles based on the pattern that Jesus set for his disciples and also for his disciples today, you and me, how he has abundantly provided everything we need for abundant life. First of all, 
in verse 30 of chapter 6 of Mark, Jesus provides abundant encouragement. Uh, Often we just kind of pass by this verse as a transition verse in a book like the book of Mark. But there's great significance here. Verse 30 says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told Him all that they had done and taught. As you know, life is always, always has been, always will be a life of ups and downs. We have challenges in life that we have to face. We have victories in life that we experience. So when the apostles returned from this ministry assignment that Jesus had given them, they had awesome stories to tell. And verse 30 just captures a little bit of the spirit of how the disciples came back to Jesus after accepting his challenge to go out two by two and minister. And when they came back, they returned sharing victories and defeats. And Jesus was there to provide abundant encouragement for these followers. I'm certain that John's tragic death that we read about in the last verse last week, where he had been tragically murdered at the hand and the order of Herod, had been tough for these disciples to process. But Jesus was there to hear their reports and give them exactly what they needed. He was there to hear about their journeys to hear about their grief. And he was there to pick them up in their time of need. Jesus had given them explicit instructions before they went out two by two on their ministry journey. And so sharing these intimate details helped move them a little bit closer to fulfilling the ultimate purpose that Jesus had for calling them to be one of his followers and to call them to be one of his closest followers, a disciple of his. I hope you're aware that abundant encouragement is available from Jesus in your life today. I don't know what you may be struggling with. I don't know what you may be celebrating in your life. But I know this, Jesus is there to give you abundant encouragement wherever you are in this life's journey. The first step to receiving that abundant encouragement is to make sure that you know Him. You personally have a relationship with Him. You're not depending on a spouse. You're not depending on parents. You're not depending on somebody else to give you that encouragement that you need for Jesus. You are personally related to Him. In our bridge group study guide this week, we were asked the most important question that a person can answer on this planet, on earth. The question was asked, how can you be sure that you know that Jesus is your Savior? How can you know for sure that Jesus is that abundant leader, that abundant guide in your life? There's no more important question than that. Have you put your trust in Him? Because that is the first step to receiving the abundant encouragement that Jesus has for you. You have to know Him. 
You have to experience Him on a daily basis. There's no middle ground to whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not. Either you are a believer or you're not a believer. So make sure you answer that question this morning. Come to the point in your life, if you've never trusted Him, if you do not know Him in a personal relationship, I want to challenge you right now to open up your life to Him. And just believe, only believe in Jesus right now. After you are a believer in Jesus, you need to understand that just like Jesus gave these disciples instructions to go out two by two, they weren't fully equipped, they weren't fully prepared as they went out on this journey early in their ministry, but Jesus sent them out anyway, and He sent them out with instructions. Are you aware that if you're a believer in Jesus, you have instructions from Jesus just as well? Just before Jesus went back into heaven in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, He had been to the cross. He had died on the cross. He had bled and died to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. And He had arisen from the grave. He arose from the grave victoriously. And spent 40 days here on this earth giving further instructions to his followers. And just before he left and went back to heaven, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. I'm with you always. I am with you always. Always, even to the end of the age. So believers, you have a command to go out and share the gospel with other people every day of your life. And here's the point I see in verse 30. Every day you have the opportunity to come back to Jesus and sit down at His feet at the end of the day and hear Him say, how did it go today? How did it go today in carrying out the command that I've given you to share the gospel? I want to challenge you to join me from today forward, to come every day when you close the day and open up your life to Jesus and hear Him say to you, how did it go in carrying out the command that I gave you today? And talk to Him about that. And see if that perspective won't change your life. I'll go a step a little deeper than that. That's the value. That's the highest value in life. But in your other relationships in life, don't you know that when you take time to share victories and defeats with every close relationship you have in your life and report back to them how carrying out the command of Jesus has gone on that particular day? Don't you see how that could encourage your closest relationships? If you're married, think about coming at the end of a very busy day and sitting down at the end of a, a very busy day. And before you do anything else, sit down together and just take five minutes and say, let me share with you how I carried out the command that Jesus gave me to be faithful in serving other people in His name and sharing the gospel in His name today. Just take five minutes and share with each other. If you have other close relationships, 
create a process to sit down and share how you've done in sharing relationships with Jesus. We could build a whole message on this, but we need to move on. But don't miss that little transition verse in verse 30. It's so important that you take time to share victories and defeats, celebrations and wounds with Jesus every single day. Jesus saw that these apostles were weary. So he took them to the next step in his prescription to abundant life for them. Number two, Jesus provides abundant rest. In verse 31, he said to them, Come away and come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. The picture here is very clear. Ministry activity had worn these disciples of Jesus out. So Jesus led them to seek rest. Rest is designed by God to keep us healthy. And so Jesus said to his disciples, come aside to a desolate place and rest for a while. Someone once said that he who burns the candle at both ends is not as bright as he thinks he is. I agree with that. We have to take time to follow the prescription that God has given us for our body to rest. The disciples of Jesus were experiencing mental and physical and emotional and sensory and spiritual fatigue. And there were different kinds of prescriptions for dealing with those kinds of fatigue. And I want to encourage you to let the radar screen go up and realize when, when you come to the point in your life where you need physical or, uh, or sensory or emotional or mental or spiritual rest from fatigue, that you take time. And you invest the energy that it takes to find that kind of rest. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we follow the prescription that Jesus has given to take care of our bodies, and a part of that prescription is Sabbath, taking time to change pace and do something different for the glory of God and for the honor of God. Back during the mandatory quarantine times, I remember <clears throat> I retreated out here to the office almost every day. It was the safest place for me to be because almost nobody was around out here. And I would come out and I would spend time in scripture study and I would spend time praying for you, praying for our church. And then before I would go home in the evening, I would take time almost every day to watch some kind of World War II documentary. And I noticed that uh, during our COVID-19 battle, there were many similarities and are many similarities between uh, battles that soldiers had during World War II and the battle that we're having with this unseen enemy, the, the COVID-19 virus. 
I couldn't help but notice how most important battles in World War II were either won or lost in the journey of fatigue. When the enemy or when the Allied forces were going to launch a major battle, they would bombard, especially at night, over and over and over again the areas where they were going to be attacking the next day or two. And they were creating an environment of fatigue for the enemy. So when they went in to launch the battle, the enemy would be tired and be wounded and be weary. We have an enemy, and the enemy knows that, that you are vulnerable when you are fatigued. And every rec recovery process that I know anything about has the halt principle. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, call for help. You need help. And Jesus was the master of keeping his disciples ahead of that curve. And so the Bible says in verse 31, he went away in a boat. They went away in a boat with Jesus to a desolate place. Now, unfortunately, the Sea of Galilee is only eight miles wide, and obviously the shores are not square. I mean, they're uh, kind of pivoted uh, at, a, at a point. And so, unfortunately, the crowds of people saw Jesus and his disciples get in the boat, and they started running because they, they assumed where he was going. And when, when Jesus carried his disciples across the water to the desolate place, when they got to the desolate place, the crowd was already there ahead of them. And so... There, Jesus displayed his abundant leadership, and that's our third principle. The third abundant leadership that Jesus provides is that Jesus provides abundant leadership. We see that in verses 33 to 52. In verse 33, the scripture says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, it's interesting that this historical event is covered in all four of the Gospels. Very few stories in the life of Jesus are in all four Gospels. But this historical event is recorded in all four Gospels. And it gives us an incredible insight into the abundant leadership of Jesus. Look at verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd. And he had compassion on them. Now remember, Jesus and the disciples are ministry weary. They're worn out. They're trying to get away to a desolate place to rest. And yet the crowds are there to meet them. Are you aware that the key factor in the ministry of Jesus is marked by compassion? It's marked by his love and compassion for other people. What would happen if the life of every ministry servant of Jesus, and especially every ministry leader of Jesus, had their life marked by compassion? That means that Jesus cared more about other people than he cared about himself. That means that if we follow this principle, you will care more about meeting the needs of other people than you care about meeting your own needs. That's what compassion is. 
It's about being concerned and driven to be more attentive to the needs of other people than you and I are about the needs of our own lives. During, during these strategic days, I, I feel like we have the opportunity of a lifetime to use every resource that we have to meet the needs, the basic needs of under-resourced people. That's why back in January and February, we launched a campaign to, to reach out to people that we will never meet personally, face-to-face in Zambia. And build a center where worship can take place, where adults and children can come to study the Bible and read the Bible and be drawn to Jesus. And you did a great job raising the funds to to create that environment for people that we will never meet before because we have compassion on people who desperately need to hear the gospel. And Jesus was very concerned about the basic spiritual needs of these anxious people. That's where he turned first. Look at verse 34. When he went ashore, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This phrase, sheep without a shepherd, indicates the passion that Jesus had for providing spiritual leadership into the lives of people who had drifted far from God. Sheep are easily led astray and scattered and lost and in grave danger without a shepherd. These people needed a true shepherd to teach them what they needed to know and to gather them back to God. They had drifted away. As a nation, Israel had drifted away from God. And Jesus came on the scene to draw them back as a shepherd does his sheep to the tender care of a loving God. And that's what Jesus wants to do to our world today. The campaign that we're engaged in and who's your one, the campaign and praying for lost people is not so much about you as it, as it is about people who desperately need to come back to the loving care of God. People who aren't even aware that they've drifted away from God or that they even have an absence of God in their life can be awakened to the reality of their need for the shepherd. For the good shepherd. This was a common theme in the language of God to his people. Because God had compassion for his people in Numbers chapter 27 for example. The nation of Israel was in the wilderness. They had been drifting for 40 years. And Moses was about to die. And listen to what the Bible says in Numbers 27, 16 and 17. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in. And the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. That was constant language from the heart of God because he had compassion upon all people, especially lost people. And he has compassion upon lost people today. In Ezekiel chapter 34, another example. In verse 23, the Bible says, And I will set up over them one shepherd, 
my servant David. Now David was pointing toward Jesus. David had already lived his reign when Ezekiel wrote this. But the gospel is pointing toward Jesus as the new king, the new David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. You need a shepherd today. People who have drifted away from God and have no idea of where God wants to have compassion on them need a shepherd. And the Bible says that the primary concern of Jesus while he was here on this earth was being that shepherd. He wanted to shepherd God's people back to him. However, that was not the only concern Jesus had. He equally was concerned about their physical needs. And he used their physical needs to teach this spiritual principle. So look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. When, he, when it grew late, his disciples came to him. This is a desolate place and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now remember, the disciples needed rest. They were weary. They were tired. And it was at this point that they messed up. I mean, they desperately messed up. They messed up by telling Jesus what to do. They said, Jesus, these people are hungry. We don't have anything to feed them. Send them away. They were telling Jesus what to do. How often in our prayers do we fall into that trap? Rather than opening up our lives to, to Jesus and saying, Jesus, we got a problem here. Now help us. Tell us, tell us what we need to do. We, we jump out front like these disciples and we start telling Jesus what to do. Jesus, heal me. I'm hurting. Heal me. Jesus, change my circumstances. Get me out of this mess. Jesus, keep my brother from going to jail. I mean, all of these thoughts and activities, actions we have in our mind might be good, but... Maybe we need to step back and not make the same mistake that these disciples made and be telling Jesus what to do rather than asking Him for guidance. Jesus got their attention, didn't He? In verse 37, Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. He got their attention. He gave them the impossible task. They knew they couldn't do this. Nine months' wages wouldn't be enough to pay, to, to pay the price for food to feed this crowd of people. Now, the disciples, let's not be too hard on them. They thought they were being compassionate. They thought they were doing this crowd a favor by saying, Jesus, send them away so they can go and, and take care of their physical needs. But Jesus had a greater lesson of faith to teach these disciples. They, they thought, the disciples thought that the most urgent need was food. But Jesus knew that their most urgent need was faith. Was faith. Most of these Hebrew disciples should have remembered the story of Moses. 
They had heard this story hundreds and hundreds of times. Numbers chapter 11, verse 13, Moses cried out, Where am I to get meat to feed all these people? For they weep before me and say, Give us meat that we may eat. This was a familiar story that these Hebrews had heard. You've heard the familiar story of Jesus providing what people need at their greatest time of need. And yet the disciples failed the test at this point. But even at their greatest time of need, Jesus provided abundant leadership. He knew that they couldn't feed 5,000 people. And so he knew that he could. And he took another step in building the faith that they needed to carry on with life. So in verse 37, he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. So up to this point in this journey, Jesus had done all the ministry. The, tire, the disciples were tired, and he had not asked them to do anything except learn from him, sit at his feet and learn, just like the other 5,000-plus people. But now it came time for Jesus to tell them to roll up their sleeves and go to work. And so they went out, and they brought back the information that Jesus had asked for. They had this unique opportunity and privilege to learn from the feet of the abundance of the leadership of Jesus. And you have that opportunity, and I have that opportunity today as well, to learn from the abundant leadership of Jesus. Because after their foolish demand and being shocked at Jesus' response, he put them to work, and they carried out his instructions again. They were faithful in doing what Jesus asked them to do. The multiplication of the food in this miracle, which brings so much attention to our mind often, was, was kind of a low-key activity in the life of Jesus. He, he took advantage of the opportunity to take the five loaves and the two fish and multiply them, but most of the crowd didn't see this. The disciples had gone out and they had put the... They had put the uh, the crowd into groups of 50 and 100 as Jesus had asked them to do. And so the distribution of the food was orderly, but it was not chaotic. Verse 39 says, He commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass, and they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and two fish, He looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And He divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So Jesus launched this miracle by saying the blessing. It's a great principle. Uh, someone once told me, Ronnie, if, if, if you didn't have anything to eat, wouldn't you ask God to provide something to eat? 
So since you do have something to eat, doesn't it just make sense, logical sense, that you would thank him for what you do have to eat? But Jesus said the blessing, and then he multiplied the food. And according to this story, not only was there enough food for more than 5,000 people to fill their bellies, but there were 12 baskets full left over. So how could this closest group of followers ever forget the abundant leadership of Jesus. But they did. They saw the lesson. They saw the miracle. They experienced the food in their belly. And most likely only those twelve for the most part knew what Jesus had done. All the other people knew was that they were hungry and the disciples provided something for them to eat. But they knew. They knew what Jesus had done. Just like you know what Jesus has done in your life. If he's worked the great miracle of salvation, which is greater even than producing food, multiplying food from five loaves and two fish. So immediately, before the crowd could process all that had happened, Jesus put his disciples in a boat and told them to skedaddle. <laughs> told them to take off, to go to the other side of the, of the sea. And that leads to our final point this morning. Jesus provides abundant support. We see this in the following verses. In verse 45, immediately... He made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. And while he dismissed the crowd, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. I hope you're aware that nothing was more important to the life and ministry of Jesus than prayer. He prayed before he chose his disciples. He prayed before he ate. He prayed before he ministered in any way, performed miracles. He prayed before he suffered and died and rose again on the cross. Every major event in the life of Jesus was marked by, by prayer. Prayer was the driving force in his life and ministry. And Jesus wanted his disciples to see that activity in his life so they could learn from it. So they could draw from the heart of God to provide every resource that they needed in every opportunity that they had, every storm that they faced in life. Nothing was more important in the life of Jesus than staying connected to the heart of God through prayer. It was his driving force in life. So in verse 47... We find an opportunity for the disciples to learn the lesson from Jesus. In verse 47, when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he came along on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for all they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. 
Do not be afraid. So when facing this challenge, unfortunately, the disciples chose to panic. Jesus had tried to teach them over and again, and he will continue to try to teach them as they move on through this section of the three years of close ministry with him. How important it is that rather than panic in any storm-ridden situation in life, we have the opportunity to pray and turn to God and draw from His source of strength. Jesus knew that in the life of these disciples, greater challenges were going to come in the future. And so, verse 51 says, He got in the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. Now I want to take a moment this morning and remind you that no wind, no storm is too powerful for Jesus to walk through with you. For the believer, He is the calm in the middle of every storm. The disciples had to learn to trust in Jesus. And he wants to teach you and me that same lesson today. I'm so thankful that we can learn that lesson from experience that these disciples had of Jesus. Now let me ask you this morning, where is the storm blowing in your life today? Is Jesus in your boat These closest followers of Jesus had to learn to trust Him. They had seen Him take five loaves and two fish and feed more than 5,000 people, but they didn't get it. Their hearts were hardened, the Bible says. They saw Him calm the wind for the second time. They had already seen Him do this one time. He did it again. And yet the Bible says their hearts were still hardened and they didn't understand who who Jesus truly was. For you and me today, no barrier is too great to keep Jesus from abundantly supporting you. He's there and He cares. Winds that are blowing in this life are real and they're hindering our purpose and our direction when we fail to let Jesus take control and we fail to let Him into our boat. I want to challenge you to join me in starting every day reading the Scriptures. Let Him in your boat every day of your life. Let Him speak guiding truth into your life every single day, starting with the Scriptures. In relational distresses that you may be facing with neighbors or peers, let Him into your boat and trust Him to calm the wind. When the wind is blowing grief into your life over loss, let Him into your boat to comfort you and give you strength. When the wind is blowing your marriage apart, let Him calm the wind and guide you to unity and intimacy. When the wind is tearing your parenting strategies apart, Let Him into your boat to calm the storm and establish peace and purpose with the guidance He wants to give you in the structures 
that He's given you to follow in your parenting. When the winds of discouragement blow in your work life, let Him into your boat to guide you and be a positive witness for Him even in the midst of that storm. I think you get the point. In all of life, recognize Him and let Him into your life to give you victory for His glory, for His glory. Because no barrier is too great to keep Jesus from helping every believer. Now very quickly, and I mean very quickly, there's one final provision where Jesus gives abundant support, and that's found in verse 53. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore, and when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. I hope you're aware that Jesus can heal every illness in order to bring glory to God. I mean, could there be a more relevant application than this for our world today? Verse 56, wherever he came in villages and cities or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. So here's the question. Are you willing to humble yourself? I mean, these people laid at the feet of Jesus, reached up and humbly touched the hem of his garment. Are you willing to humble yourself and let him heal your soul and your life today? His healing is available. His touch is powerful. And I pray that you will access it in every area of your life today. By way of application, there is great abundance in the kingdom of God. Great abundance. But here are the three questions. Number one, are you living in that abundance with Jesus today? In abundance with Jesus today? Secondly, is Jesus in your boat? But thirdly, and even more importantly, are you in Jesus' boat? There's nothing that you're experiencing today that His power does not want to be poured into your experience. He's the shepherd of those who are willing to change from making all of life about you to making all of life about Him. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in His boat today. Totally in His boat. God, thank You for the power that is in Your Word. And thank You that You are abundantly available to all who will bow before You lay our lives prostrate before you cry out to you for help and hang on to you for hope God give us the wisdom give us the strength 
to accept your help in our life today. Thank you for being abundantly available to all who call upon you. And we continue to do that right now through the power of the name of Jesus as we continue to worship. In Jesus' name, amen.